This is Up Your RPG, helping you up your role-playing game. In this episode, how Up Your RPG affects us, the show's creators. What are our personal takeaways after 11 episodes of this podcast? And how has creating the show impacted us, both as RPG players and as GMs? Let's get to it. Hey folks, welcome to Up Your RPG. My name's Arthur, and I'm here as always with my co-hosts, Michael and Emily. And we are actually wrapping up season one of this show tonight. And we're going to do so with a bit of a look back and uh, we're going to sort of meta analyze our meta analysis of role-playing games. Um, so Michael, did you want to get us started with this um, or should I go right to Emily? Well, if you mean by get it started, pass it right to Emily. That's what I would do. So if you want to, okay, because I know she's uh, she's taken a few notes and uh, she's got some stuff prepped for us and I'm excited to hear what she has to say. Oh boy. That no pressure. pressure. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So one thing that I actually just noticed last night, which is very convenient for this show, is how much what we do here actually impacts any other role-playing experience. And that seems very obvious, but for context, last night I just met a group that I'm going to begin playing with for the first time. And I mean, we all met each other because we're kind of from all over the place and not everybody knows everyone. And so we're discussing both the game that we're gonna play and um, other role-playing experiences. And I just feel like I have a voice in my head that is this show finding solutions to everything everyone says. Hmm. And I actually edited myself a little bit because I didn't want to sound like I was just ruling the conversation, taking over from the GM, anything like that. But, you know, we talk about something in the world and I think, oh, well, this is a way to do that that would, you know, be more inclusive or that would add another element or somebody complains about another group that they're playing in and a problem that they're having with, like they're stuck in a, they're stuck in a dungeon. They're stuck in a basement and they can't get out. It's been months. So I'm thinking to myself, well, could you have a conversation with your DM about this and discuss the fact that the pace isn't really working for you and maybe find a solution. And it just made me think that spending some time every week analyzing what we're doing instead of just doing it gives me a lot of perspective, even though I've never been a leader, a game leader, a GM or anything like that, just as a player. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael, have you noticed any impacts in the way you are uh, GMing our under the library Call of Cthulhu game? Uh, yeah, I've, I've had sort of, instead of kind of that extroverted experience of being able to help other people, it's really been more of this internal dialogue in terms of, I think one of the very first things that stood out uh, was my my own personal biases as we start started the show and then thinking about kind of that big big conversation about min maxing and then right as the show ended emily going but you know 
what what's necessarily wrong with it <laughs> and then having that whole conversation afterwards right and and just thinking about kind of all of these different reasons that we come to the table um but for me I, I, in line with that right it's been we kind of we we have these conversations every week and then i go back and think through what's happened the last few weeks and i'm always kind of doing my own little meta analysis of like hey what could i have done better there um and, and this just gives me this really nice kind of frame of context for it and especially when something veers off path um knowing that we've already had these conversations really makes having them as a group even easier right because we've we've already intentionally um, by, by, or I guess almost unintentionally by doing the show, we've set these expectations around the table, right? We're, we're doing what we're asking other people to do, which is to, to, as a table, come up and identify and articulate, right? That becomes the really big thing, articulating what your needs are as a table. Uh, if you find that they're different, right? That then, then either arriving at a solution or finding a table where those needs are met. So, right. If you're, if you're a big min max group and that's what you want to do and you want to like figure out how to foil the the GM and the GM needs to put these mathematical challenges up against your players and you all take joy in that. Well, great. Right. Um, but if you're there in order to um, for character development and to explore a character deeper and figure out what that means, then, then that also works as a table. So it, so it means a lot of different things. Um, but sorry, I'm kind of derailing here a second. No, 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 but, you're good. This is actually great. Um, it, so it, in terms of, right, it, it's it's let me think about it through that lens, right? That we've essentially by doing this, we've set up our expectations as a table. We've also articulated them, um, which we've it points assumed, but now they're all out there. And so we have kind of a basis whenever we run into either a way that we want to make better story or when we run into some uh, table conflict versus, I would say, in-game conflict. And, um, and having that basis makes those conversations so much easier. And it also, to me, makes identifying places to build story easier as well. That makes it fun for the whole table. Mm -hmm. So You know, that actually relates to one of the things I had noted down to mention, and without any spoilers or specific information, as a group in Under the Library, we recently had some a pretty large disagreement as a group about the way the story should go. And I just felt like, I don't know if we would have handled it this way a year ago, a year and a half ago, but I thought that the way that we handled it as a group was very thoughtful and calm and inclusive and ultimately successful. And I just wonder if that might have something to do with the conversations that we've been having for the last few months in this podcast, which encapsulates a good uh, more than 50% of our live play group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that I, I was thinking the same thing, Emily, and um, I, I agree with you. I, I do not think that it, that it would have gone exactly the same had we not been doing this show i think we would have handled it you know we're all pretty inclusive pretty healthy um you know pretty upfront 
um, trusting of each other. Um, I, I think it would have gone fine, but I, I think that because of the experiences that we're having on the show, we were able to feel, com- at least I, I'll just speak for myself, I was able to feel more confident in how we approach that. Uh, that mm-hmm. I, I, and I think this goes to, to when, when I was writing, note, writing notes for this show, um, I think the, the first takeaway for me is uh, to try to find that space as a table. And this is what you were talking about earlier uh, with your new table, uh, to try to collectively decide what's important to us as a group by talking about what's important to us as individuals so that we can all sort of come together and decide how we want to move forward um, in this game as a group. Uh, and I think that's exactly what you were talking about. Uh, and, and I think that that's what got us so successfully through that that conflict um, in Under the Library. Um, and, and Emily, I do want to ask you this. The, the next thing on my list was uh, about character creation. I think that the next step in sort of successfully elevating your role-playing game is in the character development phase and in mm-hmm. creating a character that... Um, is made to role play and not to roll dice. Um, how did that affect your, and again, without spoilers, um, how did that affect your decision-making in the last few weeks with your character in Under the Library? Did any of that impact the choice you made, which I don't think we want to reveal, um, but did that, did you think, oh, Hmm. Maybe I could make this character this way, or you know, how does Joe's past experience affect what's happening in the future? Did that? It, it, did you sort of meta-analyze that at all, or no? I have to be honest. I'm not sure what decision you're not spoiling. <laughs> um, well, there there was sort of an inflection point with our group where all of our characters could have gone in very different directions. Some went mm-hmm. one way, some went another way. You and um, Rick's character chose a very specific path. You oh. could have very easily gone the way of, say, myself or um, or Scott. Mm-hmm. That we, you know, we had this okay. point where you could have done that. Um, did you even I'm consider that? Now. Okay. Uh, I, as soon as that choice became a choice, as soon mm-hmm. as I realized what was happening, I immediately did not want to go the way of you and Scott because I just felt like there was, I'm not sure how to say anything without somewhat spoiling. <laughs> this is a, this is a precipice. So Okay. So let's just but, say this slight spoiler alert for under the library folks um okay. in season two okay. episode 22 and 23 okay fair enough so if you don't want to hear time. spoilers fast forward a few minutes okay okay great so i was my first reaction when i realized that some people were leaving their characters mm-hmm. and um that that we were doing a massive um revamp or a new season or whatever was, Oh no, I don't want to stop playing Joe. Okay. Please don't let me, please don't make me do that keeper (laughs) because she's gone through so much growth, but so many of her own personal questions remain unanswered Mm -hmm. and there was no hard reason 
in the world for her to stop. I mean, she, uh, there was no reason for me as a player or for her as a character to not be in the game anymore. So I just wanted so badly to keep exploring her experience. I was not done with her. Okay. Well, and, I, and also from my perspective, that was a big moment where this show kind of fed. We, we finished our big group conversation and I just had this, based on all these talks, I just had this gut feeling that we were leaving something unsaid at the table, right? And so I, I called Emily right after that and I said, hey, that that felt off. And we basically had like the same dialogue we're talking about here, right? She was mm-hmm. like, I, I don't want to leave Joe. And I was yeah. like, oh, I don't want you to leave Joe, right? Like that wasn't that wasn't supposed to be a takeaway. And so like immediately being able to clear that and then um, both explore her rationale for why she wanted Joe to stay and being able to say, you know, like these are the possibilities, I think that that totally makes sense for keeping Joe and exploring it. And, you know, it, it just made that like, it made that gut check just a little bit easier, a little quicker to be like, wait, wait, wait I've got a player that that something feels off about. I need to check in with them. And I think overall, right, it hasn't just happened with Emily. It's happened with several people that that being in this space about thinking about it has made that that go to easier. Um, and and in line with that, though, like as you're talking about character development, right, one of the things that I think has been really wonderful is since since under the library such an improv kind of effort and everything's happening in the moment um it's i love that we get to kind of think about what just happened right and i'm particularly thinking about the point where chris started talking about boone's backstory and the family and how that was all coming together. And I think we all kind of sat there with our jaws open, right? Mm-hmm. We were just like, wait, what? You know, yeah. um, because, uh, right, it, it revealed it revealed such a great part of how different all of our processes are for approaching character development. And um, I mean, part of what I love about role-playing is this continual creative process. That's why for me, like the narrative route is such a beautiful route because right, we're it's a continual creative process. And so to be able to hear everybody's different approach and like uh, Rick's psychology behind how he builds characters versus kind of Scott's, um, you know, uh, different kind of almost pendulum swing in, in character approach and, and then art, like how, how your inflection points are like grow with your character. All of those things have been really wonderful kind of revelations to me that I think we've just never gotten to talk about. And so that's been, that's been really great for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so what I'm, what I'm hearing again from you, Michael, is that it, when you were talking about that as a GM, that, that moment with Emily is that it's important to get to know your players and um, I, I think that you're using some of your sort of teacher strategies in um, it, your perception of understanding that there's something left unsaid um, and then reaching out individually to that person. Um, I, I think that's that's a big takeaway. And it goes back to that that building that that sort of group mentality and uh, that sort of collective journey that you're all on. Um, and honoring everyone's individual space and honoring everyone's individual wants and needs. 
Um, and I, I think that that, that to me, I guess I intuitively knew it, but I've never put it into words and looked at it, you know, with that much light on it. Um, and I'm realizing that it's much more important than I thought it was. Um, and I think that we've talked about this before, but I think that I've benefited a lot by playing with people that I'm already very close with. So we sort of intuitively know when there's something up with one another. Um, but when there are some folks that, that I haven't known for 20 years, um, it takes some intentionality. Exactly. And, um, Gene in our D and D campaign, it takes some intentionality to, to pay attention to those nonverbal cues, um, and, uh, to, tr- to really be looking for, is this person feeling safe and is this person feeling respected and is this person's wishes being honored? Um, without that intentionality, I think that's when it can, when it can slip a little bit. Yeah, because I, I think that, right, like sometimes we take for granted, even when we know people, right, we take for granted that when somebody like puts on a Southern accent or like wears a quirky outfit or dresses up for their role, that that's a risk, mm-hmm. right? Even if they own that risk completely and they look totally confident that that's a risk, right? And and our response as a table um it either validates it or it makes it more difficult to embrace future risks, not only for that person, but for the table. Right. Mm-hmm. So if 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 you're if you as a as a table, if you have a player who's thinking about, man, I'd really like to show up in this funky hat, but I don't know how that's going to go over. And then somebody shows up in a funky hat and they just get beaten down for it. Right. That sets a tone for the table. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think we can't underestimate that uh, inherently an, a major aspect of role playing is being able to take risks or perform actions that we're either incapable of in real life or that we're anxious about in some regard and that it, it becomes a space for creativity and experimentation. And so we have to be able to support that. Um, and I think that, that that delineation carries over into this player-GM relationship, right? In that if that relationship becomes adversarial, if, if the players start to believe that the GM's only trying to kill them, or the GM believes that their role is to make this path as difficult for the players as possible, then that, that creates a certain synergy at the table that's that's more akin to like playing i I don't know conan the barbarian or um imperial assault or descent right like some sort of board game where there it is one v all um where i I think philosophically where up your rpg comes from is this idea that um it's it's all for one in a sense that and that one is the story uh, or or the experience. And so you're all trying to build that together. And that becomes a really important tone for the table. And what I think, in my mind, um, makes an RPG distinctly different from a board game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you, you brought up a point for me um, about that taking risks uh, and being comfortable taking risks and know that you're going to be supported. Um, I, I would encourage people to take the risk to try GMing. Um, we need more GMs. Uh, 
And I think that not only um, would I encourage players who are thinking about it and are interested in it to just give it a try, do a one shot, make up your own story, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you're most comfortable with, but just give it a shot. And for the players in those groups, support your GM. Uh, because you're not playing unless you have a GM. Um, <laughs> GMing is hard. Um, I, I, I won't say that it's easy. Uh, it, it's very challenging. But until you're willing to take that risk and say, you know what, I'm going to try and I know I'm going to make a bunch of mistakes and the players are going to be okay with that, um, that's where GMs are made. Uh, and we need more GMs in the world. Uh, so I would encourage both players to give it a try and for those players to really know, hey, this person's trying something hard and I'm going to be there for them and support them when they inevitably screw something up because it's really not a big deal. And there's there's tons of really great, uh, easy, easy load kind of RPGs that are one session. Like Craig Campbell of Nerd Burger does 10 Candles. That's a great way to kind of get your foot in, in, into GMing, give something a try. Emily, you have one. What was the one that you kind of put out there to the group uh, that that you y'all all wanted to hunt me down and and eat me? Oh right. <laughs> um, gosh, I don't remember what it's called now, but I think didn't Rick lead it for you guys without me in your D and D game? No, 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 we did. no, no. <laughs> oh, no, it okay. never happened. Um, yeah, but it. I can't remember. I'd have to look it up. Okay. Yeah, it's and I don't want to about... do that on, on game time. But yeah. it was definitely like all of the players were were against the GM. Yeah. Uh, but it was part of the game mechanic. Yeah. And, and if I remember right, it was a bunch of witches who yeah. are who are going yeah. after the, the GM, which sounds just like so much fun, especially if you have an established GM like we do, um, mm-hmm. to then sort of turn the tables and everybody going after them is a ton of fun. And, and even just the, I, I got to say the the... The new starter set uh, for D and D is really friendly for for DMs. Uh, if you just uh, that um, it's the one with the frost dragon on the front. Um, I own it. I can't remember the name of it, um, but that thing really heavily supports new GMs. It's super easy to get started. There's even a section of hey, if you're a new GM, do this, do this, do this. Here's some things to look out for. Here's some things to do. Um, super super helpful. Um, and I think a lot of game mechanics do have that. Um, so whatever rule set you're interested in, just give it a shot to serve her wintry hunger. I just got there. (laughs) Yep. We're just a wealth of knowledge tonight. There's Uh this great, but I, (laughs) yeah, I hope we can still do that sometime, but Art, that's an awesome point, right? That, uh, to give it a shot because, uh, and, and to support people as they do, because it, it, I certainly remember that first time after y'all had Wayne for years, mm-hmm. who's, you know, kind of like the gold standard of storytelling and GMing, right? <laughs> it's just awesome. And then it was like, I'm, re- I'm really going to do this. I'm going to read 800 books first. That's what I'm going right. to do. Yeah. You don't have to read well, 800 books first. I still no, haven't, but my school is offering a D&D club and if anyone signs up i will be dming kids this yeah, week yeah nice go, right on right on so we'll see what happens all right and i will need all of your help you you got it <laughs> emily you want to close us out with a final thought that was my final thought all right perfect and with that uh it's going to put a wrap on this week's session of up your rpg 
Thanks for joining us. You can always join us at upyourrpg.com. Hopefully we've contributed to your game. Now go find a table. 